Sports! This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Greg Cody Show, episode 28. Clear out of here. I need to go. I mean, this is, we're recording this on Sunday. It's 5 p.m. I am naked right now. I have not moved from my couch all day. I'm watching the Red Zone channel. Tom Brady's on my screen right now. I've never been so happy to see Tom Brady in my life. I am just on cloud nine right now. I'm sorry. Have we started? I'm just like so giddy. I'm sorry. Did, did I hear you say I'm naked right I, now? I am. What naked. does that have to do with? I anything? mean, I just when I when when the red zone comes on my Sunday for the first time in months after sports was taken away from me. I mean, this is Christmas morning and I don't know why I normally I'm not naked on Christmas morning, but <laughs> I'm just so f- excited for football. The Dolphins lost to the Patriots. Th- that doesn't even bother me. I'm good. I'm so happy to be watching football. I've gambled way more money today than I'm going to admit to my wife. I am just like, there's nothing like, and I've lost almost all my bets, but I'm still that happy because football is back. And like, I know we've been doing this thing for months with the, is winter sports back? Like golf's back. UFC's back. Is that means no, no, no. Now sports are back. I don't even care about the NBA playoffs. There was an elimination game on Sunday. I didn't even watch it. Football is on. I'm, I love Scott Hansen, and I'm just fired up. Yeah, Scott Hansen's a handsome man. Um, football is back. Jack, I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, and when you're watching, you know, Tom Brady uh, against Drew Brees, uh, the Goat Bowl, and, and the Dolphins and Patriots, uh, same old story. You know, everybody thought, uh, oh, is this a new AFC East? You know what? A healthy Cam Newton under the aegis of uh, – of uh, Bill Belichick is going to be pretty scary. Uh, I think Buffalo and, uh, and New England are ready to get it on in the AFC East. I actually disagree when it comes to the Patriots. Yeah. Um, yes, they won. They beat the Dolphins. Like, fine, they're 1-0. But it looked like Cam Newton was, you know, struggling to get up after, like, two tackles. Like, that is not going to last. Cam Newton cannot do what he did against the Dolphins for 16 games. Like, I'll be surprised if he makes it through one more game. I was not that impressed with the, the Patriots. Well, I, I, I was impressed by their defense. Uh, they still have a great pass defense. Their defense was good. But you, you think that's sustainable? Like, you think Cam Newton's going to last all 16 games? Like, he looks – he just doesn't look – like, his body doesn't look like he can do that for 16 games anymore. He can do it for one game after having nine months off. Like, he looked great today, but I question whether he'll be able to do that going forward. Well, look, he, he's got an injury history that I can't argue with. But all I'm saying is that if he's healthy – um, he, he's a great replacement for Tom Brady. And, and we talked about this several podcasts ago that, that I thought he was the perfect replacement. I feel like that, that's like a nine and seven team. Like that's not a 13 and three team that we, that the Dolphins lost. I, I, I agree with that, but I think nine and seven could win the AFC East, which is why um, teams like Buffalo and maybe even Miami has a chance, but I'm thrilled to be talking sports here because it's weird. We're a sports podcast that really doesn't go heavy into sports a whole lot. We like to do other stuff and color outside the lines, but this time it's legit, man. There's a lot to be talking about. The Miami Hurricanes opened Thursday night uh, and, and they beat a team that they should have beaten. But after the way they finished last season, losing to FIU and losing to Louisiana Tech in a bowl game, you know, just beating a team you should beat uh, was sort of a revelation. So that's a a good start for the U. It seems like there's going to be a lot of upsets in college football this year. I feel like the NFL, we got close to what we expected in terms of teams that were bad are 
we're bad. Teams we expected to be really good, we're good. Uh, I feel like in, in college, like I can't, I'm surprised Miami didn't lose to UAB the way that first college football week went. Like well, uh, uh, Iowa State losing at home to Louis, the, the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, but it's not just college football. I mean, today in the NFL, uh, the, the two consensus worst teams in the league, the Washington No Names and the Jacksonville Jaguars, both won. I mean, th- there were some upsets in, in, college, in pro football as well. It's a weird season because, you know, with no preseason and, uh, and really no home field advantage like we've known it with so many stadiums empty, uh, it, it's just, it's a crapshoot. It, it really is. But that's Jags Colts though. I mean, those teams split. I, I, I guarantee you look back the last 10 years, even with the Jags being bad, Jags Colts just always split the season series. Like that's a division game. Like that's not that big of an upset. And everyone thinks Philip Rivers is getting out of San Diego. So now he's going to like, you know, not be down by three in this with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. But no, his first game in, in Indianapolis, he brings that with him, and they are down late in the fourth quarter once again. But I have to say, at this juncture, it ain't just football right now, Padre. You know what else is going on? Heat, Celtics. That's what's going on. And the Marlins. And, and the, Mar- the Marlins. The Marlins we- playing well against the Philadelphia Phillies in this seven-game series. Now, it's not completed yet. They're playing right now on Sunday, and they play again on Monday. But the Marlins have already had a good series against them. They, like Even if they lose the game that's going on right now and on Monday, it will have been a, a fine series with the Phillies. The Marlins are in the hunt with, I believe, what, two weeks left in the season? Like The Marlins are playing meaningful baseball in mid-September. The Dolphins still have two, even though they lost. I don't care. I'm so happy. The football's back, and the Heat have the Celtics. I mean, it is just – everything right now and that's why we're doing this crazy sports podcast this week right just so much to talk about sports and uh and And i'm still naked by the way and we're on zoom how is it well you know i'm wearing two pair of pants just to make up for you but um and i will say i'm a a soccer fan Uh, i will say that inner miami is coming on they've won two and drawn two of their last six matches they signed um a french world cup star uh blaze matuidi and, and they just signed uh, the Juventus striker, uh, Gonzalo Higuain. Uh, these are major signings. So uh, even, you know. <laughs> they're, as, they're, they're major signings for people that you've never heard of. I'm kidding. I've heard of the Matuidi, the Matuidi guy, but the other guy I've never heard of. I don't okay, know how big I'm of these saying signings. It, well, you should have heard of him. What I'm saying is uh, it's tough for the Marlins and Inner Miami to get much attention down here when the Dolphins and Canes are playing and, and when the Heat are winning. So, um, we, we try to give a little love to, to all our teams down here. But Heat Celtics, man. And, and we're going to have uh, Amin Hassan, our, our ESPN seer and expert, back on the podcast today to, to take a deep dive. We're going to go diving deep into Heat Celtics because there's so much fascinating about that series. I'm sorry. I, haven't, I didn't listen to anything you just said there. I'm so fired up. I'm not even listening to you right now. I'm just continuing to watch Red Zone. <laughs> You were crazy with the red zone, by the way. Um, you don't you don't do red zone on NFL Sunday, like like I mean, you are just. I mean, you're a man that still walks from his living room to his uh, office to tweet instead of tweeting from his phone. So right, like, you're yeah, an I do. Cat. I, I really do. Uh, you know, the wife has red zone on all the time. I could live without it. You know, I just Boy, like you're flipping, crazy. You're crazy. I like flipping channels. You know, I'm I'm old school. I don't need to know is so instantly, I don't need to know, oh my gosh, the Lions are inside the 20. You know, I, 
Red zone, shred zone. You know, what I don't you need. You just want to like, you just want to see the box score when the game's over. Like, you don't like a channel that gives you every single a- piece of action in the I, NFL. I just, you know, unless I'm laying big money on on a game, I, I just don't need to know instantly who just scored. I really don't. Uh, oh. You know, I mean, for fantasy reasons, you know, God love Greg's Lobos, um, the thirty third. Um, for fantasy reasons, I like to know how my team's doing, but I don't care to know instantly who's ahead. Maybe I'm in the minority. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't even think that's debatable. Yes, you're in the minority. <laughs> okay. Even well, non-football fans love the red zone. You're crazy. You know, I feel like um, I want to mention something uh, in, in support of uh, our friend Mina Kimes. She had a funny faux pas on the air the other day. Yes, I'm sure you heard it was, about Oh, it's it. hilarious. She was going to uh, refer to Philip Rivers and <laughs> inexplicably – she referred to him as uh, something else. So peanut I butter. Was gonna, it was peanut butter yes. rivers. Right. So in honor of Mina and, and in full support of my sister from ESPN, I was going to refer to what I love about this Heat Celtics series. And I was gr- going to refer to the, the great animus and hatred between the two team presidents, the Celtics Danny Ainge and the Heat's peanut butter. Peanut butter Riley? Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. An homage to Mina Kimes. We nice. love you, Mina, and we support you. We love you, Mina, and we mean it. There you go. Let's talk some heat with Amin. Yeah, let's do that. One second, just bear with me as I untangle these hopelessly tangled earphones. Jeez. <laughs> you look like me trying to un- <laughs> untangle a bunch of wires. These things are, I mean, they're a menace. I'm glad I'm not the only one who struggles with that kind of <laughs> I don't mean to be laughing at your suffering. <laughs> As he roars with laughter. That's like me every day. You know what I do all the time? I, I like go to scratch my nose and, and I yank the, the earphones out of my ears. It's like ridiculous. Amin El Hassan, ESPN NBA expert, is on with us. And we want to start off. We're going to dive deep. We're going to go snorkeling uh, um, among the reefs uh, on heat. Celtics, uh, but but first, uh, I mean, I, I invite you to take a victory lap. Uh, you were on this air, uh, boldly and accurately predicting that Miami would handle Milwaukee. And um, how did you come to that uh, Nostradamus-like uh, prediction? Must feel pretty good. Well, I'll give the Cliff Notes version. Hopefully, if you're w- looking for a deeper explanation, you just go back in the archives and listen to the Greg Cody show from a few <laughs> weeks ago. When I, when I previewed this series, but, I, you know, if you'll remember, Greg, I didn't just think that they would win. I thought that they wouldn't have much of a problem. And even within that analysis, I didn't reach the level of what reality was, which is they had no problem with them. Now, obviously, Giannis's injury contributes to that. But the reality is all the things I talked about um, as far as Miami's ability to defend him with four guys in Bam, Jimmy Butler, Jay Crowder, Andre Iguodala, who are high IQ defenders, strong, big, and fast. That combined with a shakiness in their three-point attack, and then what I thought was going to be a defense that conceded a lot of threes, what ended up happening, Greg, was that Milwaukee was so concerned about Miami's threes that Miami got to do other things uh, in there in terms of stuff at the basket, at the basket and in the paint that Typically, I don't think uh, Milwaukee allows, and typically I don't think Miami does a whole lot of. But 
they took what the defense gave them to great success. Yeah, when, um, when you look back on that trade that brought Iguodala and Crowder, such a, a strategic forward-looking trade. It, it was almost as if they made that trade with getting past Milwaukee in mind, right? Well, I mean, they, they had to have, you know, you have an inkling that this is one of the big uh, obstacles. And by the way, what's another big obstacle in Miami's path? We're going to see them in the next round, the Boston Celtics. When you talk about Tatum, Brown, and at some point, maybe we'll see a little Gordon Hayward as well. So again, having a bunch of six, eight dudes who are smart and, and fast defensively is a great advantage. But I thought the other thing that's important, um, and I think you're seeing it play out, is the IQ of those guys as veterans who have been there. One of the reasons early in the season, I liked Miami, but I wasn't sure about what kind of playoff success they'd have is it's an overwhelmingly young team, right? Yes, Jimmy Butler has been there and Goron's been there and, you know, Kelly Olenek to some extent. But most of the guys that we were talking about had very limited playoff experience. And so now you bring in those guys, Crowder and Iguodala, and it lifts the collective IQ and experience so that guys like Tyler Hero, they're not just going out there and playing. They're being told, they're being taught, they're being coached, not only by the coaches, but by their teammates. Yeah, that's, that's such a Riley uh, imprint. You know, the idea that when all is said and done, you're going to rely on, on veterans. And, and that's one of the big reasons why Udonis Haslam uh, is still on the roster and, and a valued member, member of the roster, even though he doesn't play. To that point, how about that story about Bam talking about game one? where they asked him, how did you get all those rebounds? Or it's like, because Udonis told me. He said, UD said, watch out for this one. I mean, that, that's the definition of, of, the, of that veteran role player is that I can illuminate you in ways that you wouldn't have figured out on your own despite your oh, talents. Absolutely. They, they, they should invent a stat, um, uh, you know, value per minute played because Udonis, <laughs> would, he would lead the league, right? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, be- before we dive into uh, Heat Celtics, um, I want to ask you, you're an NBA guy and a basketball expert, but we're talking on opening Sunday for NFL. Uh, does today, like, are you a football fan as well? Does today resonate with you? I-, I am a football fan in the most casual of fashions. I'm a Giants fan. So what being a Giants I'm fan sorry. means. Oh, I said I- I'm-, I'm a Giants fan. And what I being know. a Giants fan means, basically, oh, that's- you're apologizing. You're a Dolphins fan. You don't get to apologize to anybody. That's a good point. (laughs) Other than the man in the mirror. No, being a Giants fan means that I own, like, I get delivered a a gift once a decade. Like, I I was born in 79, so I got a a Super Bowl in the 80s, a Super Bowl in the 90s, a Super Bowl in the 2000s, a Super Bowl in the 2010s. So we just now, 2020, we started the next decade. So they have 10 years to give me one Super Bowl. And all that means is, I can, you know, they can be horrible in between as long as they give me that one. I believe, Greg, in my estimation, that is the greatest version of fandom you can have. Who wants to be rooting for a dynasty that wins six all at the same time and then nothing for the rest of humanity? No, no, no. I want every kind of decade or so for me to feel good again. It's kind of sprinkling it up. Yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta spread the joy out. You're you're right about that. The dynasty is overrated, basically, is what oh, you're saying. Very over, very overrated. It it gives you all right. of your your enjoyment in a concentrated dose. No, no one wants that. Um, I mean, let's let's dive into uh, Heat Celtics, and and the reason this series fascinates me is that it really the rivalry really took off in the Big Three era, and and you know I recall uh, of course 
it, Pat Riley versus Danny Ainge, and Ainge goes on radio and criticizes LeBron, and Pat Riley famously sends out the press release that basically tells Danny Ainge to go F himself. Yeah. I mean, quote, using unquote. The, and using those words, by the way. Using those words. That's like unheard of. And yeah. I think there's a generous, uh, um, you know, I hesitate to use the word hatred, but there's a genuine animus there between these mm. two team presidents. And, and that's sort of the backdrop. But looking at it from a basketball standpoint, um, and I'm probably going to ask you for a prediction since you're on a hot streak eventually, but um, how do you see the series playing out? Like, like is, is who, like who's going to defend Jason Tatum, do you think? And, and what's going to be their, the heat strategy? Right. So the, the main point of, of impact is going to be on the wings, right? Tatum Brown versus whatever collection of guys that Miami has out there. Whether, again, Iguodala, Butler, uh, Crowder, Bam, I, I expect we'll be seeing some defensive uh, responsibilities in that aspect. But the cool thing here is that because you don't have the super strength of Giannis at play, I think it expands the universe of guys you can use out there. So a guy like Derek Jones Jr., to me, now you're in play. I know you had that one good game against Milwaukee where he had to come in because of foul trouble for some other guys. But now's an opportunity for him to play regularly in this series and make an impact defensively because he's long and he's athletic and he can bother those two guys. Now, outside of that, that's where it gets interesting because you look in the backcourt and you say to yourself, they've got Kemba Walker, uh, who's an all-star and a tremendous clutch player, but they also have Marcus Smart. On this side, you've got Goran Dragic, but then you've got young guys, right? Hero, none. So how does that youth kind of match up with the wisdom and experience of, of that Celtics backcourt? Counterpoint, Celtics don't have a bench really when it comes to the backcourt. You're talking about Brad Wanamaker and guys like that. I, I, I would lean with the youth of Miami and depth there before I lean on the depth of, of Boston. But then the final bit of the, the, the cake is front court, center position specifically. Bam is head and shoulders the best player. And I think he enjoys the biggest advantage out of any other player in this series versus his counterpart. Daniel Tice has been very productive. Robert Williams has come on strong. Um, but uh, those guys just aren't in the same stratosphere as Bam. And so I think for Miami to be successful, Bam has to be dominant. Whether that's 30 and 20, what, I don't, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about clearly he's winning his matchup. And looking at, uh, at, at the end game, um, do you like Miami's chances here? Because Boston's going to be the favorite. I haven't seen the betting odds yet, but I'm sure they're going to be a, a series favorite. Um, is it, a, is it a, a, a great matchup for Miami as – Milwaukee oddly seemed to be, or is this going to be a tougher series? Like, what do you see the big picture here? Absolutely a tougher series. Milwaukee was, was a gift from heaven. Uh, Boston, not so much. This is a team that Miami's had problems with during the year. Um, and, again, they have a lot more weapons. To You know, what made Milwaukee easy to zero in on is you could zero in on Giannis and keep everybody else in check. You can't really do that with Boston. Uh, I also think Brad Stevens, you can't say enough about him coaching-wise. He's creative. Having said that, um, Boston, as I said, depth-wise isn't as deep as Miami. Um, and the matchups that they did have during the regular season, those teams are very different, right? There was a couple of games there with Justice Winslow and, and, and James Jones, uh, James Johnson, 
Like, those guys aren't here anymore. This Miami team is very different than the team that Boston saw in the regular season. I'll be, again, Robert Williams and guys like that are different as well from the Boston side. I think this is going to be a very close series. Uh, probably go the, the limit, all seven games. And, and the winner is? Uh, I think when you say seven games, to me, that always means it's a coin toss who's going to win. I'm going to go with Miami. I, I believe the depth is going to come in handy. I think, again, Bam enjoys the biggest advantage of anybody against their counterpart. And uh, I, I, the size thing is an issue as well, uh, albeit Boston has played well. Their front court has played well thus far. I think it's a little different when you're matching up against kind of unique bigs, which is what Miami has. We talk about Bam being a playmaker out on the perimeter. We talk about Kelly Olynyk being a, a shooter, a three-point shooter. I think those matchups don't fit as well for a, a Robert Williams or Daniel Tice as – kind of the the Raptors. The Raptors had more natural matchups for them than the Heat do. Okay, um, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Amino Hassan Nostradamus has uh, predicted Miami in seven. Um, you, you mentioned Brad Stevens. Uh, I, I might propose that Stevens and Spolster are sort of front and center when it comes to who, who wins the Popovich Cup as the next acknowledged greatest coach in the NBA. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's... it's Spo shouldn't be eligible, right, for this, for this prize because he's the second longest tenured coach behind Pop, him and right. Rick Carlisle, right? I don't think we put yep. Rick Carlisle in this conversation either. This kind of should be, you know, uh, earmarked for younger or kind of lesser experienced coaches. To me, Spo's a Hall of Famer. Brad Stevens may, might be a Hall of Famer one day if he continues on his trajectory. If Spo stopped coaching today, he's going to Springfield. No questions that. Wow. So. Really? Um, yeah, no, no, he is a tremendous coach in terms of his, uh, again, preparation, his IQ, his ability to adjust and make changes, um, his flexibility. You know, Greg, I'll tell you like this. The reason why I call Greg Popovich the greatest coach of all time is because he's, one, doing it in different ways. They were a post-up heavy team with David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And then they became a pick-and-roll team with Manu and Tony and Tim Duncan. And then they became an off-ball screen kind of wing player thing with, with Kawhi Leonard and those, those other three guys. Those are very drastically different styles. Pop is a guy who said, I hate the three-pointer and has led the league in shoot, making and taking threes, right? So he's not married to a system. He's married to coaching in the truest sense. Like, what, how can I get the most out of this? Compare and contrast with Phil Jackson. The triangle has followed me wherever I go. And when the triangle became obsolete, so did Phil Jackson, albeit from a front office role. Red Arbach, again, innovations that were light years ahead for its time, but it was pretty much coaching the same way for him throughout his tenure. Um, even Pat Riley, he's coached two styles. Fast break with Magic Johnson, and then everything else post-Magic was grinded out, very you know, blue-collar basketball. Right. Spo is the only person that I can think of in the league right now who has followed in Popovich's steps of saying, I can coach a multitude of different ways. I did it with, uh, you know, with Dwayne and, and these guys this way. I did it when the big three was a thing. I did it after the big three. And now this version of the heat that we're seeing, we've never seen them play like this before. Right. But Spo's looked at the talent and looked at, well, I have this guy, Bam Adebayo, who's, you know, not just a backup big. He's a guy who can initiate and instigate my offense 
I need to play this way. And, and so that's how they built this team. And so I give them a lot of respect for being able to win multiple ways. Yeah, that's interesting because honestly, I had never considered Spo in terms of a Hall of Fame guy and, and really haven't seen it talked about too much. Uh, but, but that's a good point you make. And, and I hark back to the first year of the Big Three where that guy paid some dues, Spo did, because mm -hmm. the Big Three era sort of got off to a clunky start. I think yeah. their first 20 games, they were struggling. And here's Pat Riley. And, and, you know, there's whispers. Come on, Riley. We need you to come down from upstairs and take over this star team. And Spolstra hung in there and, and learned uh, and, and really developed, I think, uh, early in the big three era and, uh, and sort of earned his way and, and earned the respect of, um, of all these stars. Well, I mean, think about it. Early on, it was my turn, your turn, right? And right. then Spo basically evolved beyond this. No, we kind of have to put the ball in LeBron's hands. Now, we know Dwayne is not a shooter. How can we make him still a threat on the floor? And thus was born, according to my buddy Cooper Moorhead, the ghost cut. The idea that I will stand in the corner and you will not respect me as a shooter. And when you're busy ball watching, I will cut to the basket. LeBron will find me and I'll get two easy ones at the rim. And Dwayne Wade, I would say, perfected that, that little move. And that's become something that other teams around the league have used for non-shooters to make their non-shooters threats at all times. That's Spo. That's Spo adapted. The decision to make Shane Battier the four and Bosch the five and go positionless. That's Spo evolving as he's, as he's grown as a coach. Remember, this is a guy who came up under Pat Riley, and it's very easy to see to take after the person who was your mentor. Well, Riles did it this way. I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it the same way. We see this all across the league. And Spo did that to start, I think, and kept some of those things. There's some aspects of Rileyism that still – core and that's what we call heat culture it's still core to everything they do but you can see a, a, a like i said look at this offense showtime didn't look like this the knicks uh the uh, the 90s not like this the heat with zoe and and tim hardway didn't look like this the heat with shaq and wayne Dwayne didn't look like this this is something that spo innovated on his own obviously stealing from other influences but Basically stepping out of that shadow again. I mean, I, I want to let you go now. Uh, we're we're going to, what do you want to promote? You've you got like two podcasts. Absolutely. So uh, first podcast is Black Opinions Matter, B-O-M-M. -M. Uh, you can get it wherever you get podcasts. We talk about, you know, uh, things that are happening in, in society. We think about things that are happening in pop culture. We ask interesting questions like, what is a life-changing event that made you do something different. I'm asking you now, Greg, because, for instance, we had the question, and one of our, our one of my co-hosts, uh, Trayvon Edwards, said that uh, he went vegan. He went vegan, and then recently, because he was in a car accident, he said, life's too short for me to say, I'm not going to eat this or I'm not going to eat that. So <laughs> he went out and got himself a lobster roll, and that's how he, he broke out of <laughs> veganism. So, Greg, I ask I you... Like as we asked on the pod, B-O-M-M, -M, wherever you get podcasts, what is something that happened that made you say, you know what, I'm going to do things differently from now on? A high school teacher believed in me. Um, I, I had joined wow. my, um, I had joined my uh, school newspaper staff on a lark because my friend was on it, had never written a word in my life, had never, no designs on even going to college or, or what I was going to do with my life. And this uh, teacher, she instantly recognized that I had a writing talent. Uh, she may have been wrong, 
but she instantly recognized that. And, and really in, in the classic sense that you hear about good teachers doing, she absolutely nurtured me and took me under her wing. And it was because of her that I went to college and that I um, believed in myself to, to have a career in, in journalism. What was her name? Her name was Cheryl Place, um, O'Connor Place. She married while she was in, yeah. uh, in high school, uh, teaching me in high school. But uh, I actually looked her up uh, through the internet and caught up to her um, a couple of years ago and just told her how much she'd meant to me. Oh, nice. Now I, so she's alive and she's on the internet. So now I know who to blame. I'll write a sternly worded email. Cheryl O'Connor Place, it is your fault. Exactly. The show killer of a man has a career. <laughs> everything. She's to blame for everything that ever went wrong. One other podcast is Cinephobe. That is the one where Zach Harper and I review movies that were poorly rated on, on Rotten Tomatoes. This week we did The Breakup starring Jennifer Aniston and uh, Vince Vaughn, which is a great movie, unless you've been through a breakup that you're still salty about, in which case it might sting. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I mean, uh, we'll have you on in a couple of weeks to uh, talk about how the magical Miami Heat are going to roll past the Lakers. But for now, let's just leave it at you, uh, Miami over uh, Boston and seven. I like that pick. Yeah. And I appreciate the shout outs on, on the show when you go on with Dan Levitard because he is a fraud. He is an absolute <laughs> fraud. And he's still kind of, he doesn't tell me, like, you know, he's like, oh, I said Jimmy Butler was the 16th best player and now he's the 14th best player. I said, okay, keep saying that. Right. He's, saying, uh, he's going to change his tune. He'll write this long missive about how Jimmy Butler is a misunderstood superstar. Exactly. <laughs> That's got Dan written all over it. You're right. Thanks, Amin. Really no appreciate problem. it. Thank you, Amin. Uh, another record-setting performance by our friend Amin Al-Hassan, who, uh, on the heel of accurately predicting the Heat win over Milwaukee, has now guaranteed a heat victory over the Celtics in an advance into the NBA Finals. Also, Amin has become our first three-peat guest, returning guest. That's his third appearance. And I believe, you know, Kirchin's been on twice. We've had Juju Gotti on twice. So, but I feel like now Amin is in the lead with three appearances, and that's deserved. He's, he's a great basketball guy. He, he is an official friend of the show, FOS, the big FOSS. And uh, we love having Amin on. He's, um, he's a great guest to have. And now, like it or not, here come the Mount Gregmore name game, the K's, the <laughs> special K's. Wow, this is exciting. Hey, the Mount Gregmore name game is back. And how do we top last week's Royal Jays and James Brown? Well, the K's are about to give it a shot. And if we strike out on the K's, I guarantee you we'll go down swinging. Because K is a strikeout symbol? Is that why? Oh, that? you figured that out. You're smart, man. With each letter, we give you the top five first names of that letter over the past century based on government records. And then reveal the Mount Gregmore of the top name. Okay, let's go. Number five, Kathleen. Number four, Kimberly. Number three, Karen, the now notorious Karen. Yeah. <laughs> unwitting symbol of white privilege number two Kenneth and the number one winning K Kevin <laughs> Kevin wow <laughs> All right. I mean I'm serious about this you that, be tough. You're, you're, you just want to get back to watching football I feel like you're faking enthusiasm right now you're not well, excited uh, about the Kevin you know after the Jays uh, <laughs> this after is the, the first one this is the first one of the Mount Gre Greg Moore 
names. We've gotten what? What is this? Like the thirteenth letter or something? Yeah, How it's the eleventh. We're coming up on halftime of the eleventh yeah. letter, and you are finally just completely faking it, and I love it. All right. Well, we have had better. You know, we just came off the Royal Jays, so it's going to be a downturn with the K's. But let's let's do our best. Here, let's push okay? through. Let's push through for the K's. Okay. Yeah, we're going to tough it up first. Our honorable mention. He was one of the most lovable and at the same time a little bit annoying characters in film history. The main kid in Home Alone, Kevin McAllister. Solid. Number five, two-time Academy Award winner, starred in TV's House of Cards. Really? Came out as came out as gay in 2017 after a string of sexual misconduct allegations. Kevin Spacey. Greg. What? Like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Why are you putting a person who's like got in trouble for doing terrible things on this list? I mean, you're celebrating him. No, I'm not celebrating him. They're, they're, first of all, they're allegations. Second of all, he's a big, Kevin Spacey's a big name. Look, back in the eyes, we had Ivan the Terrible was our number one name. These are not just great, fun, popular people. Let let me just say that um, my number five, Kevin, was actor Kevin Spacey. And Christopher has used his producer's uh, prerogative to uh, censor my number five pick. Well, I mean, are you so going to we'll tweet? Are you going to are you going to tweet about it now? Since I'm censoring nope. you, you're going to like you're going to like make news now. Start doing like I'll a whole tour. I'll 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 take the L on Kevin Spacey. You know, I'm not celebrating him by just including him at number five. But if you think I am, then let's move on. Number four, two-time NBA champion with Golden State four-time league scoring leader, now a Brooklyn Net and Hall of Fame bound, he's Kevin Durant. <laughs> Number three, another two-time Oscar winner who starred in Bull Durham, Field of Dreams, The Untouchables, Dances with Wolves, JFK and the Bodyguard, formed a country rock band that people actually go to see solely because he's Kevin Costner. <coughs> <coughs> I love how you lean <coughs> like as if we won't be able to hear the cough. Oh, pardon me. This is rough the case. <laughs> no. Number two, stand-up comic, actor, producer. His father was a cocaine addict in and out of jail. He started doing comedy to cope. Time magazine called him one of the top hundred most influential people in the world. Stands 5'4, but a giant on the stage. Kevin Hart! Wow. Number one, A Few Good Men, Apollo 13, Diner, Animal House, and of course, Footloose. There's a Six Degrees of Separation game named after him. Do I smell something cooking? It's Kevin Bacon! Because <laughs> bacon smells good? No, you don't. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's some. I felt like I felt like you had a lot of good Kevin's to choose from, which makes it even the more odd that you chose Kevin Spacey. Yeah, we'll we'll disagree on that. Once again, uh, I'm certainly not uh, lauding him uh, for some of the allegations against him in his later career, but uh, still a big name, two-time Oscar winner. You know, can't ignore him. That kind yeah. of thing. Can we end this episode so I can get back to watching Red Zone? Yeah. Oh yeah, you and your Red Zone. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's put a bow on this. I'm still uh, naked. Really by enjoyed. The way. I know you are. Don't don't keep reminding me. We're on Zoom right now. Luckily, uh, I can't see you from the waist down. Uh, this was a different episode because we actually talked a lot of sports. Dug into football, opening a little bit, 
uh, took a deep dive on Heat Celtics with Amin Al Hassan, ESPN. <coughs> Dude, get it I together. <coughs> Edit all that out. No. And uh, people are going to think I'm dying if you leave all that coughing in. I mean, um, <laughs> are they wrong? I mean, <laughs> Joe Burrow with the career touchdown. Joe Burrow. Huh? Joe Burrow, huh? 23 yard run. Wow, good for him. Um, Burrowing all. Seriously, Pod family, thanks a lot for joining us again. And and we, we really appreciate you all listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing, and all that. Um, we think the world of you guys, and uh, I'm glad you think the world of us, if you do. If you don't, uh, you know, look harder. Cardinals touchdown. Who scored? Chase Edmonds. I got the Cardinals plus seven and a half. They're down 10. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good call. They're, they're like a nemesis for San Fran. Anyway. 10-7 now. Okay, on that detailed note, uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks, Pod Family. I love Red Zone so much. (laughs) Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.